Hey, good morning. So good to see you all. Uh, my name is Eric Montoya, Pastor Grove. If you don't know me, I want to just introduce myself and say thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for all those two online. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, welcome to, to the Grove. And uh, we're so uh, uh, excited about the series we're in. Uh, this is a series called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And I don't know about you, I've had a few bad days myself, right? And I'm sure I'll have some more going into the future. They just, they come, challenging challenges come. It's part of life, right? And uh, the way we, we approach those, the way we, uh, um, what we do in the middle of those makes the difference of how we get through them, how we become on the other side of it. And my, my prayer, my hope is that we can all become better whenever we face challenges that come our ways. Because uh, if you're not in the middle of a challenge, you eventually will go into one or you're coming from one, something that you've, you've overcome. And so uh, we're uh, just going through this series. So we're part five. So if this is your first week with us, uh, you're in the middle of a conversation, so you can go catch up. And I'll review a little bit, but you can go catch up on those lessons, any of those that seem like they would help you. I would encourage you to go back and, and catch up on those ones. Uh, the, the scripture we're using for this whole series kind of points to the idea, the bigger idea of what we're trying to do um, as we lead up to Easter. is found in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Uh, so Jesus, he, he's a model for us, right? The, one, the, the word Christian means a Christ follower. Somebody's trying to follow the example of Christ. Somebody's trying to become like Christ. That's what it means to be Christian is we're just following his lead. And so Hebrews is saying we should, study, uh, we should study how he did it, right? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, uh, the cross, the shame, or whatever. And so he's saying, if we look at Jesus' story, if we look at his life, that'll give us some tools and some encouragement in that. In fact, now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself struggling or flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long list, litany of hostility that he had to push through, he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So what he's saying is, when we find ourselves in these moments where we're struggling, if we'll go back and look at the story of Jesus and, and the line by line and the things he said, things he did, it'll help us in the middle of our journey. And so uh, what we've been doing the last, seven, uh, last five weeks, it'll be a seven-week series leading up to Easter, as we've been looking at the words that he spoke on the cross. And so the final words as, as, as he was alive on the cross, these are the, the, the seven, five, seven statements that he spoke, we've been looking at those. Um, so on his, his bad day, we can learn a lot from what, what he said and a lot of times even what he didn't say, um, what we can learn from those uh, by, and, and help us and, and give us some perspective, some tools in the middle of our bad days, in the middle of our challenges, our struggles. And so that's what we've been doing these last few weeks. His, his bad day started on Thursday night where he got arrested um, fa- uh, falsely, uh, and then he went through two, three different trials uh, illegally. Um, and then as, as uh, the night went on, they began to beat him and abuse him and hurt him. Um, and eventually he was crucified on a cross. And his bad day went from wor- uh, bad to worse. And so we call it Good Friday. But for him in the moment and his disciples, it was a very bad, bad Friday. And so we look at that bad day that he went through and we say, what can we learn from that? Um, and so lesson one was this. Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. So the first week he said this is a really foundational, important start. Is that when you're in the middle of a bad day, learn to forgive, learn to let go. That will help you, first of all, position yourself to learn from the bad day and learn from those moments. But it will also help you not to carry things that you're not supposed to carry. And he's, his first words were, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So in the middle of betrayal, the middle of false accusation, rejection, abuse, humiliation, his response was, God, I'm going to look at others and I'm going to forgive. And he models that for us and tells us we need to also do the same thing. Lesson two was help others who are also experiencing your same struggle. struggle. 
And we said week two, it's important we look around, and in the middle of our bad day, if we'll help other people that are having bad days, it'll actually help us get through our bad day, and it'll actually help us uh, do better in ours. And so we said learn to offer hope to others around them, right? Offer stability, hope, all that. Lesson three, be sure you've taken care of those nearest you, those that are closest to you. Uh, we said when it comes to family, when it comes to your friends or close, don't don't neglect, don't forget about those because in the in the in the length of our life, those are going to be people that will most likely be with most of our life, right? So don't don't neglect those that are that that you have responsibility to and that you're closest with. In fact, we said success. One of the best definitions about success was when those closest to you they think the most of you. When those that are closest to you, they think the most of you. Uh, that's where we can learn to um, to love those close to us and not. And, and not put business or money, you're making money or anything else above them and make that a priority, but make them a priority. And then last week, uh, lesson four, there's a four statement where Jesus on the cross and in the middle of his dark day. And in fact, it was it said at noon when it should have been the brightest, it got the darkest. Um, and in the middle of his darkness, he cried out and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we said, learn to aim your questions at God, not man. Uh, whenever you're going through something difficult, learn to say, God, what is going on here? How can I do this? And we said you can learn from your whys. If you if you will learn while you're asking why, if you love and if you'll worship during those times, you'll actually get through uh, your bad days. And so uh, he can handle our toughest days and our hardest questions. So we need to learn to push him, give it to him, and we'll find answers in the middle of that if we will be patient to see that he'll give us good results at the end, good outcomes. And last week we said this, that real worship, really in the middle of our bad days, we need to learn to trust, right? Real worship is trusting God when life doesn't make sense. If you don't know what real worship is, it's in the middle of where your journey, when you're, it's hard, it's learning to say, God, I trust you even in the middle of my bad day, how you can get me through this. Um, and that was a big message that we talked about last week. So if you missed any of those, want to go back and catch up, those are available for you online, and you can catch those. So today we're going to jump into the fifth statement that Jesus made. And we're going to talk about um, how this can help us in the middle of our bad days. And really, I believe the fifth question is, is it's, it's wrestling with the tension that we all deal with. If you are human, you have this issue in your life. We all do, uh, just at varying degrees of it, all right? And this issue is called pride. And pride is, um, is, is an issue that we all struggle with when it comes to how we respond to others, what we think about ourselves, what we think about others, uh, and really asking for help. There's an issue that a lot of people have of letting others know um, that they need help. And so today, I want to just help all of us in this room uh, off the bat, just kind of learn something maybe you haven't learned or didn't know, um, is, is you don't have it all together, right? You don't have it together. I don't have it together. Um, I have issues. You have issues, right? We all have issues. In fact, would you say it with me? Say, I have issues. You acknowledge it. That's the first step to overcoming your issues, acknowledging it. And if you didn't say it and you're in this room, you're thinking, I don't have issues. Well, that is your issue. You don't think you have an issue? But if you ask those closest to you, they'll tell you all the issues you have. You might think it's one, but it might be like a list, right? You're like, whoa, I didn't know I had that many issues. So here's the truth. We all have things in our life. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. And in some cases, we might be doing really well in one area of our life, but other areas of life, we're struggling. And we assume, well, just because I have this together must mean everything else. No, our area, our life, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of nuances in it, right? You, you could be doing really well in one area, but struggling in other areas. And so we have to learn to be able to say, I need, I need help. You know, um, pride is that thing. It's, it's a human condition. I think one of the worst conditions we have, uh, issue that, that so many people struggle with. You know, guys get a bad rap for, for not asking directions, right? Like getting lost and, and, and not being able to, to, to swallow their pride or let, let down their, uh, their, their issues to say, hey, I'm lost, right? Because it's like, I'm not lost. I'm just taking a longer way there. You know, we, we get lost sometimes. In fact, they did research to figure out exactly what, that pride issue for guys not asking for directions actually cost them, 
on on an annual basis, but then also in a lifetime. I thought it was pretty interesting. So they found, the study in England, they found that um, men... um, they, they have a difficulty in asking asking for directions. In fact, when when somebody when a guy is lost, a quarter of all men will drive for thirty minutes before they finally ask for help. Yeah, crazy, right? A quarter of them, and then forty percent of the men who do ask for directions don't even trust the directions they were given. <laughs> so they finally like, all right, I'm gonna ask for help, and they're like, nah, I don't trust you. You don't even know what you're talking about. Um, so it costs us men two hundred and seventy six miles a year. And wasted mileage and time for not asking for directions, right? Um, so that's a that's a that's a pretty big number. In fact, that would be twenty six hundred dollars uh, in a lifetime that we will spend on driving extra miles because we didn't stop and ask for for help. Um, so if you want to save some money in your life, learn to stop and ask for help when you need it, right? You won't waste extra gas. Um, it'd be good for you and for the planet, right? So, um, 276. So I was like, man, okay, that's kind of, I, I get, men get the bad rap. But then I begin to read this study more, and it, it turns out women are, uh, they're a little better than men, but they also have issues too. Um, it costs women 256 miles. Like, that doesn't sound like a big difference. It's like almost the same amount. Here's the difference though 74% of women, they have no issue asking for help when they need it, when, when it comes to directions. In fact, 30% of them will pull over instantly the moment that they realize that they're off track. That's pretty significant. It takes most guys 30, 30 minutes before they, they pull off, but women will more, more readily get off and do that. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, there's, so, so women overall, they, they're better at this than guys are. And today, really, I want to talk about the issue of, of letting our pride down and being able to ask for help when we need it. Uh, it's easy to see it when it comes to that, that issue of maybe getting off course and direction. But the truth is, a lot of us in this, whether you're driving a car or your life, you're walking your life, and you find yourself off course, if you don't learn to look, ask for, for help, you know, 276 miles is not a big deal when it comes to driving in the car, but 276 miles a year off track when it comes to your life is a really big deal, right? So if you want to have a good marriage and you find yourself 276 miles off course every year, you're, you're working against yourself. If you want to be a good student, you find yourself off, off track and off course in life, um, it's only going to take you that much longer to catch back up or get back to a place where you can learn. Um, if, if whatever it is, parenting, all these different areas of our life, finances, you know, when we don't ask for help or we just make assumptions and that we, we know we get off course. Um, and, and the truth is here, all of us, we need help at one point or another. Um, and we need to learn to be able to say, I need to humble myself to be able to ask for help uh, when I need it. And so today we're going to talk about the, f- the fifth statement he makes. And it's found... Um, in John 19:28-29, it says this, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So this is the end of the journey while he's on the cross. Right? He's about to die, and it says he realizes, knowing that he finished the job God had given to him. And so he has uh, just a couple more statements that he must make, that he needs to make to fulfill prophecy, but also to show that it's done. And we're going to talk about those in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but today's, today's um, lesson, it's a setup for the next two. And really, it says because he knew what he was about to, to have to say, and so scriptures will be fulfilled, he said, I am thirsty. So Jesus acknowledges a need that he has in his life. And really, as we look at it, um, if we look at, at, at the fact that Jesus, God, is, is in, in human f- in form, right? He's living among us. He's, he's, he's about to finish his final message um, as, as, as Jesus on the cross, as a human, um, before he dies, a message that will be known for all time. The reason we celebrate Easter in a couple of weeks is because of this, this message. 
Um, and, and, and so he, he proclaims it from what would be his platform on that cross, a message that he wants everybody to make sure they hear. And so he needs to clear his voice to make sure it's heard. So in the middle of his bad day, you know, as he gets beaten and he gets whipped, um, the stripes that, that upon his body and all the cuts, you know, bloodletting is what it would have been called. The blood is just slowly seeping out where it, it's, it's keeping him alive just enough um, so he doesn't die instantly, but it's a, a slow process of suffering, right? The Romans figure out how to, how to uh, make somebody suffer at the most, at the highest levels without dying. And this is what the cross is, what crucifixion is. It's, it's taking him to the limits and just leaving him barely alive. And so at this point, he would have lost so much blood. He would have been hydrate, dehydrated. His, his voice would have probably been, his mouth would have been parched. And his throat would have been like that. So he knows he needs to speak something. He wants everybody to hear it. But before he speaks those words, he says, I'm thirsty. Um, so he asks for help. He needs help. And so uh, make no mistake, um, in that moment, Jesus was in full control of everything at that moment. He could have called to God and the angels to rescue him in, in, in any point in that day. But it says that he chose to be on that cross. We didn't, humans didn't kill him. He, we didn't take his life. He gave his life as a sacrifice for us. And so in the middle of that, being, being God, he still acknowledged that he could not do some things without others. And so um, everything in, within him as he was dying, um, he, he made a choice to say, I'm going to acknowledge um, that I cannot, that I cannot um, speak what I need to speak without some help. And so literally on the cross, he's saying, I need help. I can't do this next part without you. So he asks for something to drink. So lesson five is this. We need to be human enough to acknowledge our need. We need to be human enough to acknowledge our needs. That's the, that's the message that Jesus says when I'm, I'm thirsty. He's saying, I'm not going to let pride. I'm, literally, he's going to swallow his pride so he can ask for help for somebody else to do something for him. So here it is. A, a plea for a drink is a reminder um, that, that no one is in so, so much control. Nobody is so spiritual or self-sufficient, not one of us, that we can make it through a bad day without somebody helping us on this journey. None of us. So when you face bad days and you're not willing to ask for help, you're asking just prolonging your bad day, and you're making it harder than it has to be. But if you'll be the kind of person that says, how can I learn to be that person that learns to ask for others to help me on this journey? You'll begin to find that the, the bad day actually is, 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 is eased because people come alongside to help us on that journey. And in this case, you're just saying, I need, I need help. So Jack Hayford, uh, right, the author of the book, How, how to Live Through a Bad Day, um, he says this about this, this statement Jesus makes. He says, it's an inescapably important principle to apply. If the Son of God requested help during Calvary's struggle, that's, that's the struggle on the cross. If the Son of God requested help during this struggle on the cross, I am wise to remember that I will have times I need to ask for help, for human assistance, as an avenue of divine grace. It is neither immature nor self-pitying. So he said, when you ask for help, it's not a sign of that you don't have, it's not, it's not a weakness. It's actually acknowledging that you can't do some things uh, without him. I think it's, a, it's a, a main point of discipleship when it comes to the Christian faith. And so if, if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, Christian or Christ follower, maybe you're just, you're just kind of checking things out. This is one of the main things that, you, that the Bible teaches us, that if we're going to be the kind of people God wants us to be, we need to learn to, to have humility in our lives and not let pride push out uh, the good things that God wants to do in our lives, but to be able to seek him. And it's, it's actually a, a grace that God gives us when he gives us people in our lives to help us on this journey. Um, especially when it comes to bad days, um, it's, it's learning to say, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to prepare the best I can for the, the storms that come with life. Like, be prepared for that. But when you're in the middle of one, it's not bad to ask for help from others when you need the help when you're, when you're there. So it's, it's, it's being humble enough to acknowledge our need for others. 
So here's, there's a few things when it comes to this. There's some roadblocks, and I get that. Uh, when we ask for others for help, there's some things that just naturally keep us from acknowledging that we can't do it on our own. The first one is when it comes to being honest and real, um, the fear of being hurt. People are afraid to tell others they need help because they don't want to be hurt. Um, another fear, fear is being rejected. They don't want to acknowledge they need help because they don't want to be rejected by others. And the, final, the third one is this, the fear of being exposed. But if I tell somebody I need help, that's going to just show that I don't have it all together. And some people think that's a weakness. Like, I'm going to just expose a weakness to somebody. But if you've, ever, if you've ever been around somebody that really needed help and they came and asked you for help, you didn't think like, man, you're so weak, you're, you're so uh, dumb, right? It's like, no, if I can help somebody, I'm going to help them get to the, next, the, the better place that they could be. Um, I experienced this after high school. I went to South America to live as a missionary, work with some missionaries down there in, um, in Paraguay for a year, about a year. And while I was there, um, I wasn't fluent in Spanish. And so part of my uh, routine was hanging out with the locals just by myself with them to get to, to practice Spanish. And so there's a couple of the students, the teenagers that were in the church that I would just go hang out with. And we would just talk about, about Spanish. And when I was in a group of these teenagers, because teenagers could be pretty brutal right, at times, um, they would laugh at me and they would tease me about my Spanish in, in a loving way. It wasn't always bad. Um, but I would say something and they would laugh because I didn't say it right. Um, or they would, they would just, they would, you know, they thought it was amusing and fun. And there was this moment when I was trying to learn, but it was frustrating because, um, like now I have, I have four kids. So when they're learning to speak English, those moments where they're trying to figure these words out, um, I felt like that, right? Like a, like a one-year-old, like a two-year-old trying to, to speak a, a word that I never heard before and then trying to get them to explain, like, so they teach you a word and then they're trying to explain the word to you in Spanish, but you don't know Spanish. You're like, trying to learn the word, but then learn what it means, it could be challenging, right? And there was this point that I realized that if I was going to learn this, I had to overcome my pride, and I, I had to not mind them uh, laughing at me, and, because it wasn't, it wasn't the heart to, to, uh, of, of evil being mean. It was just, they, they just thought, found it amusing, like we would have a little kid trying to speak, right? So I had to get over my pride and realize that even though I was 18, and I felt like a two-year-old when I was trying to talk, right? But at some point, if I didn't get over that, I would have stayed as a two-year-old talking the whole time I was there. And honestly, there were some days I, I didn't get over the pride, and I just, you know, would pretend I knew what they said and just move on. I didn't, I didn't learn. But the days that I would say, you know, it doesn't matter who laughs, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. In fact, one of the churches, they made me, they, they, they didn't make me. I was part of the group where reading the Bible. It was my turn to read. And every time I would read, I would say this word, um, and, and the whole church would laugh. <laughs> and um, the word was circumcision, right? The reason it was funny is because, well, the word, we know what the word circumcision means, and um, it, the whole chapter was about circumcision. So I had to say the word like 20 times, but I didn't say it right. And so it was kind of like, instead of just like saying the word and moving on, it was like, let's hang out here and really talk about this word for a while, right? And so I was reading, and I had to get over these issues of, of, of pride and feeling humiliation, right, um, to be able to learn something. And in life, it's kind of like that. If, if you want to get better, if you want to become um, who you really want to become, there's this element that you have to let your pride down. You have to let the fear of being rejected, of being hurt, being exposed down because you won't get better until you do. Um, in school, I remember, and this happened for service, interesting. Uh, in school, I remember that um, there was these times, and I still do this. If I'm in a conversation or in a group and, and somebody says something, I don't understand what they're saying if they say a word or they make a comment or they, uh, uh, something about what they're teaching. If I don't understand it, I'll say, excuse me, what does that mean? Can you explain that? And so it takes a moment for me to raise my hand and acknowledge, like, hey, I don't know what you're saying. Um, and inside of me, there's times that I'm like, man, I'll, just, I'll look foolish if I ask, right? But usually when I ask the question of the teacher or the instructor or whoever, uh, typically they're like, hey, I'm glad you asked, and they explain it. 
And then when the class is over, uh, without fail, somebody will come to me and say, I'm so glad you asked that question. I didn't know the answer either. Or I didn't know what they were talking about either. I'm like, why didn't you ask? And they usually say, I didn't want to look dumb. I'm like, well, you, instead of looking dumb, you stay dumb, right? That's the options. I can look dumb or I can stay dumb. Like, what is going on? I just choose to look dumb so I can learn rather than stay dumb so that I don't, I don't ever grow and learn. And in first service, there was a couple at the church. They said, hey, you said this word. What does that mean? And, and I'm like, I'm so glad you asked. He's like, I'm so glad you told me to ask because I've always wanted to know. I go to church and they say this word and I don't know what it means. And so then we talked about this word and um, he learned something, right, Beyond, besides the, the, the lesson because he was willing to say, hey, I'm, 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 uh, I'm asking for your help in this moment. And I didn't laugh at him. I didn't tease him. I didn't reject him. I actually said, hey, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what that means. And in the process, I learned something, uh, which is interesting because we're dialoguing about this. And I learned that not everybody knows the words that I speak from the platform all the time. And so if I ever say something you don't, under, don't know or don't understand, please ask. It's, it's not going to make you look foolish. It's because you don't know what it is. It's fine. Uh, maybe it was my fault. I didn't explain it well. Maybe asking for clarification will help us both learn how to do it better. And so I welcome that. Um, but there's roadblocks, and we have to get over those roadblocks if we are going to be successful and, and becoming better in the different areas of our life. So learn to raise your hand. Learn to ask questions um, um, to, to be able to, to grow. All right? Uh, David in the Psalms, Psalm 32, 3 through 5. He says this when it comes to his bad day and struggle. He said, when I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. And all the juices of my life, it dried up. So in the middle of his bad day, when he was struggling, he kept it all to himself. He was all alone, isolated. He said he was, he was dying from the inside out. And then he says, but then I let it out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly the pressure was God was gone. He acknowledged to God that he didn't have it all together. He needed God's help. He couldn't do it by himself. And he says as soon as he let it all out, he was able to finally move forward in his life. Uh, what was he saying? He didn't let pride keep him. finally acknowledged, I can't do this on my own. I don't have it all together. I have issues. God, help me. And God responded. Second Corinthians 4, 2, and the message paraphrase also, it says this, We refuse to wear masks and play games. So Paul's saying that when it comes to life, we need to learn to be real, need to be, be, be honest. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see it. He's saying we live a life that's open and, and transparent, acknowledging, right, when we don't have it all together, being able to do that. Uh, so if we're going to be the kind of people that learn from others and ask for help when you need it, one, the, one of the main things it's going to take is us to be humble. It takes humility in our lives to be able to say, I don't have it all together. Can you help me? If you're parenting and you don't have the answers to parenting, it's not bad for you to ask other, other people that have, that have been parenting longer, uh, say, how can, can you help me? Um, I need your, I need help. I don't know what to do in this situation. And you learn, we need to learn to be, be humble. Um, but, um, James four ten says it like this says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. God is looking for people that are willing to say, I don't have it together. I can't do it my own. Will you help me? And throughout scriptures, the people that he used, um, in the most significant ways were the people that were willing to say, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together but I'm willing to be used by you. Help me on this journey. And God embraced those people. And the people he could never use were the people that said, yeah, I have it all together. You, you should use me, God, because I'm so perfect. He rejected those people. He didn't use those people. In fact, the Bible says he, um, he keeps those at arm's length because they're, they don't need him. And so without him, they could do it on their own or they think they can. They just struggle through life because of their pride. And he's saying, if you'll learn humility, if you'll humble yourself, he'll lift you up. In the same book, he says, if any of you lack, are lacking something, Ask God, 
Um, and he'll give you the wisdom you need. If you'll learn to be able to put it out there and say, God, I need your help. I can't do it. He'll respond. Humility is a big thing that God uses in our lives. Um, one of the, one of the um, stories I love in the, in the New Testament is, is Jesus is he's, he's starting to become famous, right? So he's doing these miracles, doing these teachings. People are hearing that when he prays for, for people, they get healed. They, they, they receive sight. Uh, the lame, they, they begin to walk, all these things. And so every time he goes to a village, the crowds begin to swell around him because they want to, to hear what he's teaching and they want to be touched by him. They want to be, 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 have healing in these miracles. Well, while I was going through one of the villages, so Jericho, he said that um, as he's walking, the crowd's big. There's these two men who are blind. They begin to cry out from the side saying, saying Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says the crowds got to try to get them to be quiet. Like, hey, be quiet, guys. Shut up. You, you're bothering Jesus. And they cried out even louder, son of, son of David, have mercy on me, the Bible says. Um, and finally, Jesus stops and says, hey, bring those men to me. And so the two blind men come to Jesus. And here's what Jesus asks them. The question he asks them is, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And it's very obvious what they need from him, right? But God, this is how God operates. He wants to know that, that what we need from him. Like he wants us to acknowledge it. Uh, because if you can't acknowledge it, if you can't be humble enough to say, hey, here's my issue. Man, I need help. Um, here's what's going on. Um, he's not going to force his way in. And in this moment, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want to see. Like, we're asking for help. Um, we can't do it on our own. Please help us. And it says, Jesus responds, and he prays for them, and they, re- they receive their sight. They're healed. Uh, but it takes two men to say, we don't want this opportunity to pass by. We want to be, we, you have the answer. I need, I, I need the solution. I need, the, I, need, I need help. Would you please help me? And he responds. So it's about being humble. It's about being honest. Uh, we have to be honest with where we're at in life. Um, when, I'm, when I'm with other leaders, other people that are doing, uh, on the journey longer than I am, uh, the more honest I can be about where I'm at in my journey, uh, the more they can help me. Uh, but if I, they ask me a question and I don't want to look foolish or want, I'm trying to make myself look better for, to them, um, if I do that, I actually miss the opportunity to really grow where I'm at because that, that um, covering and, and hiding what is really true keeps them away from being able to actually help me. And sometimes the solutions are really simple, but I just don't know what it is. But if I'm willing to let somebody in and be open, they'll actually help me on this journey. Um, one, of the, one, one business guy, Jim Collins, he calls it who luck. Who, like, the, like who is around you, then luck. Like a lot of people think in life, they just get lucky. Um, he says a lot of times in business, there's this, this one component uh, that it, he calls it who luck. It's the people around you that make the biggest difference in, in your success. Um, I would go on to say it's the people around you that also make the biggest difference in your failures. Um, if you look around you, uh, are other people lifting you up or are they dragging you down? Uh, what, what, what are they doing to you to either help you or to keep you where you're at? Who's around you? So be humble, be honest. First uh, John, John 1.7 says this, But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. Um, the, the idea that John is saying here is that uh, the people that, follow, that God is looking for are people that are open. They live their lives with honesty and openness, saying, Hey, I struggle. I'm not perfect. Um, I, and they, they, they expose their hidden things, their secrets to God by saying, I, I want you to, walk, to help me on this journey. So we expose the darkest parts of our life to God. Not that he doesn't know, right? He already knows it. But he wants, we acknowledge it and he realizes, okay, now that you know it, we can do something about it. But as long as you keep it hidden, you'll never heal from it. It's like trying to keep a wound um, um, hidden from, from the doctor or from somebody that could help you, right? If you don't ever expose that wound or, or show it to somebody, you won't be able to be helped with it. You just hide it. And that's what happens in our lives with sin. And the problem with that is when we hold on to secrets and we hold on to issues and we keep it hit, not exposed, like in the dark, like it's a secret, what happens is, is, is subconsciously we begin to assume 
everybody else is doing the same thing. So my secret that I'm holding on, well, you're holding the secrets too, so I don't know if I can trust you. And it causes us to actually break trust with other people. But when you live a life that's saying, I have nothing to hide. God, I've given it all to you. I'm, I'm going to help let others learn from my journey, my struggles, my stories, so they can learn. When you live with an open life that's everything is exposed, you actually respond to others in the same way of saying, man, I believe there's something good in your life. I believe that you can find freedom also. Like you can do what I've done. It changes the way we interact with people when we're honest. So we've got to be humble, be honest, and then we have to be teachable. We have to learn to stay teachable. Um, in those moments, we have to be, be willing to ask others for help and also learn from everybody that we can. Uh, my mentor said, Eric, everybody is good for something, even if it's just a bad example. Everybody. So I can learn from you. It might be from your bad example, but I can still learn something from you. Others, I can learn from you because of your wisdom and your experience. Everybody in your life, uh, you can learn from. Make, there's, there's a lot of assumptions you shouldn't make about people, but there's one you should always make is assume the person you're talking to knows something that you don't know. And when you live that way, you can learn something from everybody, even if it's a bad example sometimes, but they know something you don't know. And if you stay teachable and open, uh, one, one writer, one leader, he says, just keep your notebook open. Like in every conversation you have, have your notebook open, like ready to be like, man, that's a good thought. I'm going to take that down. I'm going to take that idea and work on that and let it work in my life. Be teachable so you can stay, stay open to what others have. Um, the idea that I get when, when it comes to, to being humble, being honest, being teachable with others, um, here, here's the picture I get, right? So um, I don't have a chair. Um, if in, in life, um, we're, we're one of two people, right? We're givers or we're takers, and we're standing either on a chair, reaching down and pulling somebody up, right? Or we're standing on, on lower ground, reaching up to somebody else to pull us up. If you have the wrong person in your life and you're on the chair and they're low, um, it's easier for them to pull you down than to pull them up, right? So if you get somebody that is um, unhealthy and um, they're wanting to hang out with you, maybe there's some addictions, there's some struggles in their life, and you're trying to get them out of it, but you have the same temptations, same, same struggles, they're actually going to pull you down just to where they are. Um, but, but if you have somebody that, that um, it wants to help and they're not going to pull you down, but they're, they're, you're the stronger one, you can actually get them up. Sometimes it takes a few people, right, standing chairs together to get this one up. Um, you can actually make a difference. The flip side of that is sometimes we're the ones on lower ground, and there's somebody else that knows something that we don't know. They've, they've experienced something. They've had success in one area of life that we haven't had, and we're actually reaching out saying, can you help me? It's like this acknowledgement that I am not at the place that you are, but I'm willing to learn from you. And This is the picture I get when God says, if you humble yourself, I'll lift you up. It's like God is on higher ground. He's saying, I want, I want to lead you to a better way of life, but it's going to take your, you to say, I can't do it without you, God. Would you help me? And the moment you say, I can't do it, I'm going to humble myself, I'm going to swallow my pride, I'm going to ask for your help, he lifts you up to that place he wants you to go. And in our life, it's important who we have around us because if you have people that, that don't want the best for you, and, and we choose our friends sometimes like this, we allow friends in our lives that struggle things so that we have an excuse to continue to struggle, right? So they say uh, successful marriages run in circles. So if there's one successful marriage, a lot of times other families, couples are, are also successful. Divorces also run in circles. You find one couple that's struggling with divorce or gone through. If you look at their friends, a lot of times there's a lot of friends that have gone through divorces. Addictions are the same thing. Um, successful businessmen or women are the same way. They run in circles. Why? Because we make allowances for those that we trust around us. And so when there's addiction, it's like I'm going to hang out with other people who are addicted so that I have a reason to stay like this because we're the same. It's like a misery loves company. That's the saying, right? We allow, make allowances to stay in these places that we're at because we want to stay there. Um, 
weight, weight, weight is the same way. Uh, how we eat all these different things in our lives, we, we, we have to learn to say, how can I ask others for help so that I can get out of the situation? How can I search out those that know something I don't? This is why small groups are so important for us, because in our groups, um, not everybody's going to be perfect, not everybody's going to know everything, but I guarantee there'll be somebody in that group that knows something you don't know, they can help you on the journey. And as soon as you're willing to take off the mask and say, hey, I'm struggling with my marriage, can you help me? Or I'm, I'm whatever, and then they tell you their story like, hey, that was us like years ago, let me, let me tell you what we did. And they help you on this journey. It's like you're asking for somebody to, to, to pick you up to that next place. And I guarantee everybody in this room, in some area of our life, whether it's finances, whether it's in school, uh, whether it's parenting or marriage or business, whatever it is, we all want to get to a better level, a higher, higher degree of, of success, right? Like we want to become better in our marriages, better in parenting. If you're in school, you want to get better grades. Well, a lot of times it takes us saying, who, who around me can help me on this journey to get me up to that next level that I'm not at? So if you're a C student, what teachers, what relationships, what other students can help you get to become a B? And then if you're a B, how can I get to the A, right? And in marriage, the same way. What can you do to be able to um, get others around you to help you on this journey? Um, it, takes, it, takes, it takes us saying, I can't do it on my own. And then, and then as, as Christians, there's this, this other part of that is now that we've been helped, God wants us to look around and help others, right? So we acknowledge that we're human and we need help. But then at some point, we look around and say, hey, how can I help these people? Uh, Galatians 6, 2 through 5, Paul says it like this. He says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So the law of Christ is we love one another, we love others the same way we love ourselves, right? So, so the, the, all the things you want for yourself, like desire those things for others also. Like love them the same way you love yourself. So by carrying each other's burdens and, and the weight that they're carrying, we're actually showing the love of Christ, and we're fulfilling the things he's asking us to do. And he goes on and says this, If any of you thinks you are something when you're not, you deceive yourselves. So if you're on lower ground and you're, not, you're struggling with something and you can't acknowledge that you're in that position, you'll never be able to get better. Like he's saying, uh, don't think about your, as yourself with pride because you're only going to deceive yourself. Those people that can't raise their hand and ask questions for, uh, for directions or for help, they're deceiving themselves because they're saying, I got all together, I can, I can manage. No, you can't. You're lost. You're stuck. You don't know what to do. Learn to say, don't think of yourself better than you are, but realize, that, acknowledge the condition you're in so you can get the help you need, right? So don't deceive yourself. So he's saying carry each other's burdens, but also pay attention to where you're at, where you're at on this, on this journey. And then he goes on and says this, each one should test their own actions. Look at your life you're living, right? Test, look around what you're, the, life, the, the results that you're producing. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So he, this, this whole scripture is, is challenging us to say, be honest and open and real about really what's going on inside of you, uh, how you view life, what, what's, what's taking place. Um, and in this case, pride is a good thing, right? That's like this, like you, you're, you're um, proud of what you've done and accomplished. That's a good thing. That's not the negative pride. This is the positive pride where you're, um, you're pleased with what's, what the results are. Uh, the negative pride is being full of yourself and not wanting anybody to help. This one is, is different. He says, then, you, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to somebody else. For each one should carry their own load. And this kind of sounds contradictory, right? So the first verse we just read, it says, we should carry one each other's burdens. Like we should help each other with these, with these, these, these weight, these issues of life that we go through. And then it says, but then everybody should carry their own, their own load. The difference is this. Our own load is our responsibilities. Those are the things that only we can do, right? So as a parent, my responsibility is my kids. So there's responsibility that I have for them that only I can do. Um, my wife, my wife and I, there's, there's responsibilities we share in life. There's bills that we need to pay, right? Not because they're forced on us, but because we asked 
for something like, well, we want electricity, so we got to pay for that. It's a responsibility. We pay for the bill. Um, now, if, if, if I died and my wife all of a sudden became a widow and, and she was raising four kids, that is not necessarily responsibility, but now she has the burden or the, the overload, overload of, of life has just fallen upon her. Does that make sense? That's the first burden he's talking about. It's when somebody goes through something that sometimes by no fault of their own, by things that take place, tragedy, uh, things that, t- that happen, um, and all of a sudden they have this, this big weight they're carrying now. Those are the kind of burdens he says come alongside somebody that's going through that. So if there's a single mom that now has the responsibility to raise her kids because she doesn't have a, a spouse to help, somebody will come alongside and say, can I help you with that burden you're carrying? Let me help you. Let me, let me, let me walk with you. And he's saying we need people like that in our lives. Sometimes it takes the person saying, I need help. And then it's a lot of times it takes the person saying, can I help? How can I help? What can I do for you? And so I think, I think as you look at Jesus on the cross, he's saying, I thirst. Um, he's not giving up a responsibility. He's actually asking for something he can't do on his own. Like, I can't physically get water, so somebody help me so I can clear my throat, so I can say this next phrase. He's asking for help. He's not letting go of responsibility. Paul is saying, hey, all of us have responsibilities. Like, don't push our responsibilities on others. You have to be responsible for your work. You have to be responsible for your life. Like, learn to be responsible. But in those moments that you're overwhelmed and you're carrying something you can't bear, ask for help. Learn to let others help you on this journey. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, you with me? All right. Um, and so we look at that and we see Jesus in that. Um, and here's, here's, the, here's the thing. When, when others around us want the best for us, um, we can trust that they're going to help us. It's those that we don't know if they have the best for us. So if you struggle with an addiction and your friends walk with you into those addictions, they don't want the best for you. They just want you to do what you're doing so they keep doing what they're doing. That's not the best for you. But if there's somebody who's challenging you to say, hey, there's better for you than that, don't stop that. That's not good for you. Like those are, those are the friends you want that are going to help um, you to become um, – they believe in you, right? They, they, th- they see more in you than you, sometimes you see in yourself. Those are the people you want around you because they can help you to the next level. They can encourage you. Sometimes it takes you seeking out those people and getting in environments, like in small groups, in church is a good start. Um, there's people in this room, I bet, I, I guarantee, have gone through what you've gone through or are going through right now, and they went through it and they made it through, and they could teach you some lessons. But it's going to take you saying, I need help. Who, who can help me through this season? Um, I, I read a story this last week about a couple. Uh, they got married when they are 21, um, and they'd be, their whole marriage, they just kind of struggled with marriage. They didn't know how, they didn't know how it worked. And um, they were at a point where they were living together, but they just really weren't married, right? And the husband was so frustrated. Just one day he broke, broke down in tears crying, and he's like, I don't know what to do. And so finally he just he had said, I'm going to try one more thing. And he had this idea that he should, he should ask his wife um, just one question. And he said this one question changed their life, their marriage. And he said that day after crying in the shower, he got out, and he went to his wife, and, and he said, um, how can I make your life better today? Like what can I do today to make your life better? That was a question. What can I do today to make your life better? And she was shocked and surprised because her relationship was so strained. Like, okay, what's the, what's the catch? You know, what's, what's the agenda here? It's like, no, just what, what is? She said, okay, do the dishes. Kind of, you know, just probably be mean at it about it. Like, fine, do the dishes. So he went and did the dishes. And she was surprised because that's never happened before. And so the next day they get up and he says, how can I make your day better today? And she's kind of bugged at this point. I'm like, why do you ask me again? She's like, clean the garage. It's messy, you know? And so he's like, I have a lot of things to do today, but I asked, so I'm going to do it. He knew it was going to be a time-consuming thing, so he figured out how to make time. He cleaned the garage. The next day he came to her and said, hey, how can I make your, ba- your day better today? The other day she's like, nothing. I don't want you to do anything for me, right? At this point she's kind of bugged. So for two weeks he'd ask her every day. Some days she had things, some days she didn't. 
And at two weeks in, she breaks down and finally says, what's the deal? What's going on? Um, and they had the conversation and saying, hey, I, I know I love you. I know I want the best for our relationship. I just, for too long, I've just done my thing. You've been doing your thing, and we have to change or nothing's going to change. And he said, I just, I thought if I could try this, at least we could try one more time to see if we can make this marriage work. And it changed their marriage because then what happens, he said, it took him a lot to swallow his pride just to ask if he could help her, right? We have issues a lot of times asking other people for help, but sometimes we have issues just saying, hey, can I help you in the middle of this? What can I do for you? And the fact that he put himself out there and said he had to swallow his pride and, and ask her, what can I do to help you? It changed their marriage. And eventually she began to respond the same way. Like, what can we do? Rather than being selfish in this relationship, what can I do to serve and to give and help out in this relationship? And it changed everything. See, in our, in our lives, we have to learn to become people that are humble enough to say, I can't do this on my own. I mean, I don't have the answers. I don't have, I'm so overwhelmed and so stressed out by this. What can I do? And sometimes just talking to somebody that understands could be the, the difference of you making it through or not. I have a really good pastor friend who um, went through depression for a while. Um, and we, and, and we talked to these and, uh, there was one day that I called and, um, I just, I just called and just check on him. And, uh, we talked for like an hour and a half. And when he got off the phone, um, he said, thank you for calling. He's like, I needed this so bad. He's like, by the way, what'd you call for? <laughs> like after an hour and a half, like, Hey, why'd you call anyways? Um, and I actually actually was asking him something, but in the middle of it, um, I was able to just talk through these things. Um, and, and I wonder in those moments when we help others that, um, how much, difference we actually made and in my friend's case i know the difference i made because uh, sometimes we're in these dark seasons that um it'd be really easy to let everything go and give up on everything but when somebody else believes in you and wants good for you can talk to you um not like literally off the edge like they're going to jump off the building but off the ledge of, of family or, or business or whatever like they're going to give up on what they're doing right we could talk them off that ledge and say hey just process it and help them get into a better situation it is so big and um, sometimes we have to be that person, but sometimes we need others to do that for us. Um, and I would just encourage you and challenge you, become the kind of person that says, man, I can't figure this out. I'm overwhelmed. I need help. Um, and first take it to God, but then take it to others. And, and here's my promise to you. If you don't know who to go to, come to me. I would love to talk with you. Now, I might not have the answer for your situation, but I guarantee I can help you find the answer that you'll need. We can find somebody that knows it. We can find a resource that knows it. Um, together we can figure it out. And that, that's the heart of our church is together we're better. Together we could do more um, as, as a group than we can by ourselves. And too many of us live day to day, week to week, trying to do it by ourselves. And we are never, never meant to carry some of the things we carry by ourselves. Some of the things we're never meant to carry at all. We need to give those to God. But a lot of times we're not, we weren't meant to carry things that, that uh, we're carrying. So here's the, here's the truth when it comes to, to being open and honest is I can be me when I'm connected to those who believe in me. I can be honest, I can be open, I can be uh, teachable when I'm connected to those that I know really believe in me. When I hang out with other leaders that are better leaders than me, they've, done, they've been on the journey for a long time, um, I learned so much. And, and I've got to a place where I just say, you know what, I don't have it together, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. And, and, and just asking the questions puts, my, puts myself in a position that I'm ready to learn, right? I heard, I heard one, um, one lawyer, when it comes to being open, um, he teaches his clients that when they're, when they're on the witness stand to keep their hands like this underneath the thing. Because just this posture um, sets us up for being open, right? As opposed to this or this or being like this or even like this. Like if you're sitting today, and, and I'm not, not dissing on you, but if you're sitting like this, that, that kind of physically closes you off to people around you. And it just, it's a message saying like I'm protected, I'm guarded. And I get it. You, you, be comfortable here. If you want to do that, do that. Uh, be guarded, be protected. But at some point, I hope you'd be like, 
man, I want, I'm here for something that I think I need to walk away with. And when we posture ourselves, not just physically, but in our life like this, right? That's a posture of a student saying, I can't do it on my own. I can't, I'm open. And the lawyer says, if you'll do that, when the people are asking you questions, you actually respond more positively than if you close your hands and put them down underneath or cross them or close off. She says, learn to be open with that because your life will be, you'll respond in a healthier way. All right? So here's my challenge for today as we wrap this up. My challenge is this. Ask for help from those who believe in you. And if you don't have people who believe in you, this church believes in you. There's people in this church who believe in you. There's people in this church that can help you get through what you're going through if you'll just be willing to say, I can't do it on my own. So ask others for help. Be humble. Be humble enough to ask. Be honest enough to what's going on so you can really get the help you need. And then stay teachable. And that's an ongoing process. If we want to become the best that we can become, we have to stay humble, stay on, be open, honest, and then stay teachable. All right? Um, let him lift you up and carry you. And let others lift you up from where you're at to help you get to the next stage that you want to get to in your life. All right? Awesome. Hey, as we, we um, wrap up our, our service today, as I've been talking, uh, maybe for the last few weeks you've been coming and you're at a place where you're saying, okay, I think this is the point that I can actually jump into the message and say, I, I, I acknowledge that I can't do it without God's help. I acknowledge that I've been doing it on my own and I need others around me. Um, I can't do this. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer in, in a while. Um, but I just want to give, let, let you know that this prayer that we pray at the end, um, it's an invitation of, of relationship to God. And so some of you, maybe you haven't been to church a long time. Maybe it's your first time in a long time. Maybe you just came out of, out of need or desperation because you're at that point where you're saying, man, I can't do life on my own. I can't, this, nothing's working. I need something. I'm, a, I'm about to give you the answer, all right? The answer is, is that God loves you and he has good plans for your life. The answer is if you'll follow his lead, he'll get you the places that he wants you to be, but even the places you want to be also. Um, and I want to give an opportunity end of our service for those that are in this room that say, I need to make a change. I need to make a difference. Like, I'm going to acknowledge that I'm not in a healthy place, and I need God to lift me up. I may acknowledge that I can't do it on my own, and I've been living in a way that keeps me from God's best. I'm going to make a break from that. In fact, the word, the Bible calls it repentance, that when we're going in one direction, and it's not good, and there's addictions, and there's uh, unhealthy things, that when we realize that we're walking away from God, we stop and say, okay, God, forgive me. Forgive me for going my direction. Forgive me for going this way. And then we do a U-turn, and we say, God, I'm going to walk your way. Being a Christian, a Christ follower, is, is, that's what it means, that we turn from those things and we turn to God. And then we, we make it a habit of our life of saying, God, keep leading me on this journey. When we fight, start veering off, we say, God, help me get back on course. And so today, if you're here today and you've been walking the wrong direction, this could be your whole life, it could be for a long time, but you're saying today I want to I go God's direction. I want to make a break of that, and I want to follow his lead. If that's you today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads today as we close our service? Psalms 86.5 says, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, and you're abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. See, God, he's, he has grace, he has mercy, he has forgiveness for those that are willing to say, I'm going to be humble, I'm going to be open to what you have, honest with where I'm at, so that you can come and help me get on the right track. And some of you, today, you're on the wrong track, and you want to make a change of that today. I just want to invite you to acknowledge that, I'm not going to call you to the front, but I will ask you to raise your hand in a second. And if that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. And um, we're just going to ask God to help us on this journey. Jesus died on that cross so that we can have a new start. So if you're here today and that's you, would you let me know by just lifting your hand right in your seat right there? God, I don't want to do it on my own. I'd be going the wrong direction. 
Just a few hands. Anybody else? That I can't do without you. For some of you in the room, that's the first time you've ever prayed this. For others, you pray this multiple times. I want to encourage you just to repentance means you break from that and you keep going his direction. And it takes it takes us being honest with God, but also with others. Saying, here's my issues. Here's, here's what I need to stay on the course. If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Say this. Say, Father God. If you're a Christian in this room, would you pray with us so not praying alone? Say this. Say, Father God. Today, I acknowledge that I need your help. That I cannot do it on my own. Please help me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have a new life. So I can have a way back to you. Thank you for his sacrifice. I put my trust in you today. And I ask you to lead me. And guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on church, let's celebrate those that raised their hand and prayed that prayer.